concern is that now for the first time, the entire liberal wing of the Supreme Court will be women and two of them are women of color. The worry is that this could just result in their not being taken seriously by racist, misogynistic justices, lawmakers, politicians, and other citizens, not to mention the men on the court. But on the other side of that, these are three strong women with strong credentials, intelligence, and experience, and they could be a very influential block, at least in their descents. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Come on in. So, hey, Julie, how have you been feeling about the Supreme Court? Uh, That's a trick question, Cindy. You already know how frustrated I am with those religious and political justices. I do know that. That's why today we're going to talk about the newest justice, who we're both pleased to see added to the mix. That's right. You guessed it. We're talking about Ketanji Brown Jackson. She is originally from Washington, D.C., but grew up in Florida and graduated from high school there. She actually went to the same high school as Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, and also some other famous athletes and Dr. Vivek Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General. Oh, I like him. There were some other brushes with greatness in her past as well. She remembers being in drama class with Matt Damon as undergrads. He was assigned to be her scene partner. That would be pretty cool. But Matt Damon doesn't remember it, but he does think it's pretty cool because it is. Yeah. Justice Jackson was apparently very involved in campus drama productions and described herself as pretty good at it. And she was reported in the school paper to have a commanding stage presence. All valuable assets for the Supreme Court. (laughs) That was back in Harvard, where as an undergrad, she studied government and graduated in 1992. Not long after that, she went to Harvard Law School and graduated in 1996. Harvard. And then one of the notable facts about her earlier legal career is that Jackson worked as an assistant federal public defender in Washington, D.C., So while she was there, she worked on appellate cases, which are cases that go to appeals. And she served as vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission for several years, which is an independent and bipartisan commission responsible for coming up with the sentencing guidelines for federal courts. Also, as a public defender, Jackson was involved in Guantanamo Bay-related cases, including being assigned to defend detainees accused of serious terrorism. Oh, yeah. But those idiots at her confirmation hearing stupidly made that a big issue. Of course, they already knew this, as do we. It was her job that she was doing, and she's the very first justice with this sort of background. At those hearings, she rightly defended her defense of the detainees. That was her job. Of course. Most people know that as a public defender, you don't get to pick who you defend. And according to our constitution, everyone is entitled to a defense, even those accused of the worst or most horrible crimes. 
Also, while there's a lot of focus on her work as a public defender, especially because it could be used to engage fears about her being soft on crime and whatever, she also held several clerkships and worked in some private sector legal positions. I hate all the fear mongering. Honestly, she's really impressive and she rose through the ranks really quickly. Yeah, in 2012, President Obama nominated Jackson to be a district court judge in DC and later interviewed her as a potential nominee after the death of Justice Antonin Scalia in 2016. She replaced Attorney General Merrick Garland on the DC Circuit Court of Appeals, which is generally considered the second most important court after the Supreme Court. The far right cannot like her. She's got integrity. Right, exactly. (laughs) She ruled against Trump's attempt to block the release of records from the White House related to January 6th, 2021, She was also the judge who ruled against the Trump attempt to shield White House counsel from testifying before Congress, writing that presidents are not kings. I remember those were famous words at the time. Yeah. And she now succeeded retired Justice Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court. She's also not a stranger to her rational rulings being overturned by higher courts, such as her ruling to not allow Trump to fast track deportation or to restrict government union powers, which is good since she'll be in the sensible minority of justices on the Supreme Court for the most part. Yes. She was also the judge who sentenced the Pizzagate conspiracy theorist who went to the DC restaurant in question with three guns to try to save the children he thought were there. So she's already been around crazy stuff. That's also good experience for the Supreme Court. Absolutely. And regardless of what you think of her leanings or some of her opinions, it's hard to argue with her credentials and her experience. That's true, because even Senators Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska joined the Democrats in voting for her when she was confirmed to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And we know about some of them. Yeah. On a personal note about Jackson... She's married to Patrick Jackson, a surgeon she met at Harvard, and they have two daughters together. But even that quickly gets political. (laughs) Her husband's twin is the brother-in-law of a former GOP House Speaker, Paul Ryan, you may remember that name, who as a member of Congress testified in support of her nomination to the district court. Hmm. So she has made some crazy people do some not so crazy things. Which is a good sign, yeah. (laughs) And now, This woman with an impressive professional background was confirmed to the highest court, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, with a vote of 53 to 47. And considering what we just told you about her credentials, which are unbelievably amazing, it should have been unanimous. But of course it wasn't. And now she is the first Black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. And of course, while this won't actually change the balance of the court, She can be influential in a lot of ways, including, we hope, with some of her colleagues. Yeah, it's a tall order. (laughs) Her perspective as a former defense attorney in deliberations can offer important points of view that other justices may not otherwise consider and could influence the way some cases are viewed by other justices and by the public. At least I really hope so. Well, maybe it could help to shape future legislation, even though the final decisions of the court might not change. Yeah, there'll be a lot of dissents, just as there were with justices Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor, the current other liberal leaning justices on the bench. 
the other impressive women on the court. Right. Their points of view are written out in dissent and apparently do have influence by helping others argue cases at other levels, or at least giving legislators ideas for new laws. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg admittedly wrote her dissenting opinions to be persuasive. And she believed, she said she believed, that it was crucial to sometimes be forceful about saying how wrong the court's decision is. Yeah, I like that idea. (laughs) Some of her dissents actually influenced lawmakers to make changes to injustices at the public level so that the court's opinion could be affected in later cases. One concern is that now for the first time, the entire liberal wing of the Supreme Court will be women, and two of them are women of color. The worry is that this could just result in their not being taken seriously by racist, misogynistic justices, lawmakers, politicians, and other citizens, not to mention the men on the court. But on the other side of that, these are three strong women with strong credentials, intelligence, and experience, and they could be a very influential block, at least in their dissents. This will also be the first time there will be two black justices on the court at the same time. The other current black justice, Clarence Thomas, <laughs> is the longest serving current justice and is known for strong conservative views and for not talking and for his wife trying to overturn the government, you know, stuff. <laughs> He's also been the only black perspective on the court and has been used for his views on race in many ways. Yeah, and his views do not represent the vast majority of people of color. Of course not. But now there will be more than one Black view on the court so that one justice's views cannot be held out as the Black view. That's true. (laughs) So many people are feeling skeptical and disillusioned about the Supreme Court as a whole, and I have to admit that I am one of them. We are two. Two of them. Justices like Ketanji Brown-Jackson could renew faith if we actually had a room full of them. Oh, that would be so great. They should add more justices so that we can have more like her. You can have a room full of them. Yay. But as it is, we don't. And the direction this country moves in remains to be seen, or actually maybe we're seeing it. It's not looking too good. It is a little bright light in a sea of darkness to have Ketanji Brown-Jackson on the Supreme Court. There we go. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Until next time, take care. 